Good morning. A fine Sunday morning to be together. And I thought I done made Bobby mad before I even got up here. He started to leave. Switch sides, didn't he? And uh, while I'm at it, I always take a chance to uh, pick it, Bobby. And he mentioned a while ago when he was doing the announcements that that was the shortest lesson our sermon had ever preached. We know it wasn't ever the longest. So we're all right. No, I, I always like to pick at Bobby. He picks at me. We're neighbors now. And uh, I didn't ever think that uh, when I moved to the mountain that I would ever have the privilege to wrangle a llama. And uh, I got that privilege here a few months ago. And, and it was good for me. And I thought Bobby knew that his llama was out because... As I was coming out the road, he was pulling in with a trailer. And I said, he's fixing to load this thing up. Well, here goes the llama down the road. And Bobby looks and sees the llama go by. And look at confusion on his face. And I thought, he didn't know the llama was out. He had no clue the llama was out. And then here I come in the Explorer. And I pull over. And I said, you got it from here? Yeah, I got it. Still looking puzzled. I just pat the Explorer. And I said, like a big blue border collie. Wrangle that thing right up. So... I guess when your neighbors usually expect stuff like that, but uh, it is good to have, have good people around you there on the mountain, and uh, it's good to have good people around you right here this morning. Happy Father's Day to all you gentlemen out there who are fathers. Uh, it's a great day, but we're here to, to uh, we honor you today, but we also are here to honor our Heavenly Father. And I went back and I looked at uh, a couple of lessons that uh, I had thought about to give you this morning. And I, th I thought it'd be fitting to remind you uh, this morning about our Heavenly Father and some of the things that, that are His attributes, things that make up what He is. And I granted the list can go on and on. I could talk all day and even all night, and I just might, about how awesome and great our God is, the one who created the universe, the one who, who Bobby talked about in class this morning, about the, all the great things that he has done for us, but do we ever really sit sometimes and, and think about God? And all that seems like an odd question because here we are in, in service, in a worship service that we we obviously say, well, sure, we think about God all the time, but do we ever really think about the, the awesomeness of God. Yeah, we understand the, the obedience. We understand the service, but just God in and of itself. Have you ever really thought about that? Have you ever really thought about how mighty, how strong, how powerful that our God is? And if we thought about that very much, then those things that come along in our life that kind of uh, the word, the phrase you might use is rattle our cage. Or sometimes the, the things that happen that disappoint, that we struggle with, if we really considered the sheer might, the strength, and the power of the Almighty God, those things that we struggle with would be so much more bearable in our life if we would only consider. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31, he writes, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, 
neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God gives that. God gives that power, that, that strength that he has to us. He delivers it to us. If we will simply rely, trust, and follow him. Now I'm not saying that God gives us the ability to work miracles. We understand that's a whole different lesson. So please don't think I'm trying to insinuate that fact this morning. But what I am trying to tell you is those things that bother us today, that those things that we feel that we cannot overcome, God can get us through those things. God will deliver us the, the ability to get over those hardships, over those hurdles. And if we don't believe that, my friends, we're doubters, and we doubt the sovereign almighty God, and I don't want to do that. And I hope that you don't either Job 36 in verse 5 tells us behold God is mighty and despiseth not any he is mighty in strength and wisdom you know we again we're talking about our our father's day and honoring our our dads and and uh, VBS I told a story about when I was younger that I was invited to go to an outing with some friends, and Dad told me what would be there. And I was naive enough to believe that Dad didn't know what he was talking about. I'm not going to worry about that. And he said, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you make your own decision. And I went. And everything that was, I was told would not be there was there. And that was the most miserable night that I ever spent in my life. And even as, even as a young teenager, I, I can recall thinking at that point, ah, my, my dad don't know what's going on. My dad doesn't, doesn't know what's going on in today's world. He's, he's, that's, we do things a lot different now. Dad doesn't understand what us teenagers go through. And I, and I doubted, and as a young person, the wisdom of my father, my earthly father. And I said, no, he, he, don't, he don't understand. He, he's, he's just telling me that. And I want you to know when I got to that little get-together get that the things that were going on there, I, it cost me having to walk across about a three-mile field with grass a waist high through the ticks and the skeeters and the nastiness in that field to go into the person's house to get a bag of Cheetos and a tutor to Mountain Dew. And that was my company for the night. I walked back across that field, got in the car, and slept. That's where I was the whole night. I was miserable. I was lonely. I was by myself, and I was, I don't know, the Mountain Dew and Cheetos might not have been that bad, but I can tell you it was horrible. And after that day, I never doubted the wisdom of my father because I've come to realize, you know, maybe, maybe our dads know just a little bit more than we give them credit for. Maybe our earthly fathers are here to, to give us an example and lead us and to teach us things, and he's, he's done all those things in my life. But as you think about that wisdom aspect, 
even I know that God's wisdom far surpasses my earthly fathers. Even I know that God's wisdom far surpasses even all of ours together. God's smarter than that. He's stronger than we are. He's more powerful than we are. And I'm reminded again of Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, where he says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Verse 21 says, He is your praise, and He is your God, who has done for you these great things, these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Something else that our Heavenly Father is, and I'm so thankful for this, is he's patient because he knows that I mess up. God is patient with us. As an all-loving and all-powerful God that he is, he's patient. He looks at what we do and, he, and he's long-suffering. He's slow to anger or slow to wrath as we read in the Bible. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, we understand the Lord is not slack concerning his promise to usward, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you look out into the world, and you see how evil some things are in the world. And I was so worried this morning about the class in the last part of Romans chapter 1. I come down the mountain not sure if I was going to be teaching class or not. And the, the conversation Bobby and I had up here, I said, are you teaching? He said, yes. And I said, good. I'm glad you didn't leave me with such, such a hot topic as the things we're going to talk about. Not that I was afraid to discuss those things because there's one thing that I'm not afraid to do is tell you what the Bible says about this topic. Sin is sin. The Bible says it's sin. It's wrong then. It's wrong now. It don't matter how many people try to legislate Bible out, it's still wrong. Sin is sin, plain and simple. So we look at these things, and you look at the world as it is, and you say, how can God be so patient with us? How can God be so patient with a group of people that continually turn a deaf ear and a blind eye to His Word, His command even, to follow Him and to serve Him? And I look back and, and how that God's, seen the people that he created and the thought of man's heart was evil continually and he repented him that he even made man. And I wonder how much close, how close are we to that? How close are we as a society to being the kind of people that God was sorry that he even made us? Because we, we live in a, a very wicked society. And I don't say the world is bad. I never say the world is bad because God created the world and saw that it was good. So let's make that distinction. It's the people in the world that's causing the problem. And I look at the wickedness and wonder how, can, how, much, how much more patience can God exercise toward us? Even as Christians. How much patience, more patience, can God have with us when He knows when there are things that we should be doing and we're not doing them? 
When there are things that we should say and we're not saying them. When there are things that we should feel and we're not feeling them. When there are things that should bother us and we seemingly don't care. How much more patience can God extend to us as Christians? You know, we talked about loving God this morning. We talked about uh, loving Him and showing each other that we love them and, and all of those things. Friends, I, I don't mean to get on a soapbox here, but loving someone, loving each other, does not mean that we openly embrace sin, sin and, and sinful lifestyle. That's not what that means. But that we love someone enough to lovingly and kindly tell them the truth. But sometimes we don't do that because we're afraid. We're worried about what people think about us. We're concerned of, of what our friends might think or we're concerned by, by what our, our teacher might think or our, our mom, our dad, or even the people at church might think or even those in the member of our, who's part of our social clubs or a part of might think of us if we speak the truth in love. So we say nothing. I wonder sometimes how, how much more patient can God be with us as Christians? We read in the book of Nahum, chapters one, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And he reads, The burden against Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Escalite, Elkishite. God is jealous. And the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the cloud or the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither, and the flower of Lebanon wilts. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt, and the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Someone who is that powerful, and we test that far too often. I think about patience. I can remember, I've told this story a hundred times, seems like, but I'm fixing to tell it 101 times. Because when I was younger, growing up, I keep thinking about not just my heavenly father, but my earthly father. And I remember when I was outside throwing the ball against the house. Y'all remember that story? Hitting the brick wall because I was playing catch with myself. That's all I had to do because it was so hot. You know, mom and dad's in the house and they're doing other things. And, and my sister, she wasn't a big fan of playing catch with her brother because I always tried to throw it away from her. So I had to do something. And the well house was too small for me to catch a pop fly off of, right? So I had to throw it up, you know, come on, give me a break. And I can remember as I was throwing the ball against the house, I could hear the words of my dad out the door, stop throwing the ball against the house. So I'd sit there for a minute, and I'd give him about enough time to sit back down in the recliner, and I'd take that ball and off the house again, off the house again. Well, Dad told me, two or three times this particular day and, and I never really understood why Dad was telling me to quit throwing the ball against the house 
until that time when that ball left my hand and it was going right for that window. And I thought, oh, man. Sarah, you ever, your life just kind of pauses right there for a second and you think, can I just hit the stop button and rewind and try this again? Because I can see what's fixing to happen and I know what's going to happen after that because I've been told over and over and over and over. And I just hit the play button and the window shattered. Door swings open and here comes Dad. And I thought to myself, boy, I hope he's patient with me. I hope he's kind and loving. And you know what? He was. He taught me a little lesson about patience. Listening the first time. It only took two or three of those moments for me to realize that I don't need to throw the ball against the house because I broke, what, three windows? Dad was patient. Mom was too, both of them. But knowing the ability they had, they could, and I was just, man, I was just hoping for the best, and, and it's my fault. I didn't get near as many as I should have growing up. You ever been there, Sawyer? I know you have. God is also faithful. He's strong. And he's patient. He's also faithful. He's just. He's righteous. And he's honest. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, reads, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. Promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, my own son to the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from the God, the Father, and Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. God cannot lie. Now, for something and someone to be faithful, honesty must be present. And we talked about that in, in VBS last week. About one who is honest. Even when there's consequences, even when there's something that might go against us, friends, we are compelled and commanded to provide things honest in the sight of all men. To be honest and truthful. Don't lie. And that's hard to do. T.A. at one time mentioned a survey how that 91 or some odd percent of people confess to lying at least once a day. And he followed that with a comment, the other 9% lied about it. Because that's the way we are. That's the way we are in, in our society, right? A little white lie is not going to hurt anybody. A little dishonesty here and there, if nobody sees it, it's not going to make a bit of difference, really. Yeah, it does. It makes a big difference. And when we lie to each other, that's not showing faith in each other. It's not showing faith in God either. 
And God is faithful enough to us that He will tell us the truth in His Word that we can build up on that concrete thing that we have in His Word to be established and rooted in it and built up in that faith. Hebrews 6, verses 18 through 20, says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hopes that before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. It's impossible for God to lie. He's faithful to us to give us the truth to get us out of where we don't need to be. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it's often, it's used and memorized, but I, but I love one, one phrase out of that in particular. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God is faithful to you. You see, we look at faith and say, well, that's something we have in God. No, no, no. It's a two-way street. God is faithful in you. And He's entrusted you and me with the, the privilege that we have to deliver the message to the world, to go and to be a servant of Him. God is trusting us to be His hands and feet, to be His mouth, to be His, to be his servants. Not a slave, but a servant, willing to go into the world. God is faithful to us. God has given us everything that we need in this life. And too often we doubt. And too often we ignore. Joshua 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The last thing I'm going to mention today, this morning anyway, in regards to our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father is love. Now I didn't say our Heavenly Father shows love. Because the Bible tells us in 1 John 4 that God is love. He is the epitome of that. It, all the love comes from that. That is our standard. That's our example. That is our mold, you might say. God is love. In 1 John chapter 4, you know, as it explains that, We'll start in verse 7 and go through 11 and we'll bounce down a little more. 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not God, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation or replacement or payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. In verse 17, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him. Because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we know it as the love chapter. It talks about things that love is not. It's not envy. It doesn't... It's not puffed up. It doesn't vaunt itself. It does not behave itself unseemly. But love is, is the first pure thing that we have. And it's pure because that's the representation of God in and of itself. There's no impurities, or there shouldn't be, any impurities in love. Our Father is love. And he loved us so much that as we look at his strength, we look at his power, we look at his, his patience, we, we look at his faithfulness, and all of those things are held together by the love he has for us. And those things are delivered to us because he loves each and every one of us. You see, sometimes it's hard for us to fully understand the sacrifice that was given for us. And we, uh, we, we memorized John 3 and verse 16, how that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We, we got that, all right? We, we understand. I'm not making a lot of the Scripture, but, but we know that, right? But do you ever really consider the magnitude and the depth of, of such a statement that God loved me and God loved you so much that he would give the most precious thing that he had in this life, in his son, to die on the cross. We mentioned that wicked world a while ago. And Paul told the church at Corinth when he mentions all those things in 1 Corinthians 6 about how the world was around them, and he says, As such were some of you. And statistics tell me that if Paul were here, he could read or recite the same thing, and I could be sitting in the audience with you, and he could say, as such were some of you. Because we've been there too. We've lived that kind of life before as well. And sadly, some of us may be still living it. And I pray that not be the case. But he says, as such were some of you, but you're washed, you're sanctified. How? How can we have that forgiveness that God would, that God would look at us as, as a wretched being that we are, 
unworthy, and still send His Son to die for us to have hope of life in heaven. If that isn't love, we sing that song quite a bit, don't we? If that isn't love. You see, the Bible talks about how for, for scarcely will for a righteous man will one die, or, or maybe even for a friend, but Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And he says in the next chapter, You are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I command you. This morning, having under, understood, maybe, hopefully, if, if nothing else, been reminded of the depth of our God, of our Father, of our almighty, patient, faithful, and loving God. And we can be a friend of His if we'll only be obedient. We can be a part of His family if we'll only, only obey His Word. The only thing separating us from, from God, it's, it's not somebody else's fault. It's not the fault of the preacher. It's not the fault of the elders. It's not, it's not the fact that we've looked at this baptistry and not done that. The only thing separating us from God is ourself. And sometimes that's the hardest person to fight is ourself. Because let's be honest, we know what we've done. God does too. And God's willing to forgive you of everything you've done. Every rotten, filthy thing we've ever had our hands to be a part of or our heart to be seen of, we've God will forgive those things if we'll only be obedient. And I'll tell you how I can say that because we can read of the sacrifice of Christ and we understand that the debt for all of our sins that we've committed has already been paid. It's already in the account. All we've got to do is withdraw. It's there, and it's waiting. And it's waiting for us to make the decision to become a Christian and to be a faithful servant of God. That's all. And that sounds easy enough, right? It's so easy that everybody in the world is just chomping at the bit to do it. Sadly, no. And many will be just like we read about in the Bible. They'll die in their sins. Too late. You don't have to do that. Because of God's power, He can remove those sins from you. Because of His patience, He's given you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And because of His faithfulness, you can bank on the fact that just like as David wrote about, He will remove your sins as far as east is from the west. There'll be no more. And you can bank on the fact that all of those things are possible. Because He loves you, and He loves me. If you're not a Christian this morning, I ask you why. You obviously know the world. I don't see a new face in the audience. And I've been scanning for quite a little while now, and I don't see a new face in the audience at all. 